Okay, um, so you all know I write songs. Um, and usually I write songs because I have something like boiling in me and I just need to get it out. It's very therapeutic for me. And so I just instantly at work had this uh, thought of, I want to write a song about just being still, just in the moment. And, you know, I'm trying to think of when I write songs, imagery, like how do you take a snapshot and write a big song about it and still stick to without chasing rabbits throughout the whole song? So this is a song I wrote called No Words. And um, hopefully it'll, it'll be very clear. is a beautiful song. I like that. Sometimes in my backyard, I have this big swing that I like to go out there with my cup of coffee in the morning, and that's exactly how I feel. Sometimes there's no words. So lots of great things going on. Just want to remind you that Pastor Pete will be back next Sunday. I got a text from him this week saying that he would be in next Sunday to do the message, um, even though we did offer if he needed a little bit longer. He says he's ready to return, so that's awesome news. Glad to hear that. Just want to remind you all, in case you hadn't realized, this is Memorial Day weekend. So I would like you, I know everybody barbecues and goes to the beach and does all the fun things. Can you somehow take time to remember those who gave their lives for their service and celebrate that, that, um, that they have done so much for us? And with that, I want to let you know that Operation With Love From Home, we are collecting items for them. So what better way to honor Memorial Day is to bring in gifts for our troops. And I don't know if you saw it on our Crosswalk uh, Facebook page. Um, Louise Brown saw that I had posted this, and so she called up Operation With Love From Home <clears throat> and told them, I don't have much, but I would like to donate $20 towards the shipping of the packages for the troops. 
So Liz Alessio, who's the lead of Operation With Love From Home, actually went over to Louise's house and had a whole conversation with Louise and wrote up this big long article that's actually going to be in the paper, but they posted it on Facebook and I reshared it. And a lot of people have reshared it and everybody is matching her $20. So they've raised over like $1,500 already to help pay for the $8,000 it costs for shipping. Isn't that awesome? That's where Louise is using her passion to serve her community, and yet she is homebound. She doesn't go out much, and this is one way that she's helping that she's in awe because she had no idea it was going to go this far. But if you get a chance, go onto the Facebook page for Crosswalk, and you can read it on there. Um, I was just pretty happy with that. So I wanted to let you know about that. And then Wednesday, if you want to join us for Praxis, we're going to be using Stephen Corley's account. So I'll send you an out email. We're not going to be using Pete's link because he has another meeting Tuesday at the same or Wednesday at the same time. So get the email with the link and then join in Wednesdays at noon. And then also, ladies, want to remind you that Fuel is meeting today after service. We're going to meet out at the courtyard in um, the tables outside. And um, so hopefully you brought your lunch and you can join in on the conversation on where we see Fuel going in the future, what kind of events we would like to plan and things we would like to do together. And then also I want to remind you that last week Fred talked about looking for a lead coordinator for with organizational skills, attention to detail, problem solving, and to be flexible. That is the only requirements for someone that would be willing to take on this volunteer position as ca uh, campus maintenance coordinator. And then also, if you consider yourself any of these other things and you would be willing to come alongside and help out with some of the projects around here, this is a very old building. This building here was built in 56. That's when the groundbreaking was and when they built this building. The back Ed Wing was built in the 60s. The gym was in the 70s. Being old buildings means there's a lot of repairs that needs to be done, a lot of upkeep and stuff. So if you consider yourself a painter, a mender, a fixer, a repairer, a electrician, a jack of all trades, a troubleshooter, a handyman, odd job worker, groundskeeper, or window washer, we can use your help. So can you let me know? I'm going to put out an email today with the slide. And can you just hit reply back and let me know if there's any of these projects that you would be willing to take on? Or if you'd be willing to do the campus maintenance coordinator, that would be awesome too, because that would mean that they could do that instead of me. So these are all things Pete got really burned out, and we know that a part of that was he took on a lot more on the campus than what he should have. And we were already stretched thin with the COVID and everything that was going on. But these are all projects. So when he put out an email to the men asking the men if they'd be willing to take on some of these projects, his promise was he'll get a cattle prod and anytime he wants to get involved helping do it, we're allowed to use the cattle prod on him to keep him from doing it. So there's been an ongoing joke here at the campus for years, don't let Pete have tools. And so now it's real, don't let Pete have tools. So we need to find people that would be willing to come along beside other people here at the crosswalk and get stuff done. I wanna thank, um, is Jim Cannon here? And Lauren Haas, I know he was here, he's doing uh, stuff, he's back here. They've been working on remodeling the showers over in the gym and the locker rooms, trying to get them up to ADA code so that when we are a shelter, that they'll be able to be used pe by people. And during disasters, they did bring in portables. It took, I think, 12 to 13 days to get the portables here, which meant people that were sheltered here. Um, had to wait that long to be able to take a shower, which is unacceptable. So if we can get them upgraded, then they can bring in portables for everybody else. We'll have some for them, but it'd be nice, you know, and I have a friend, she's in a wheelchair, and she said, I would never go up into those trailers to try and take a shower. So made us realize even more importantly that we need to have it available when we do become a shelter here at Crosswalk. And just to let you know that I've been on county meetings and they have decided this year again, they will put people in hotels because we still don't have COVID totally under control as far as that goes. And you don't know during a disaster how close people are going to be together and who has been vaccinated and who hasn't. So that gives us one year to try and get our campus up to better shape that when we do have to house people again during a disaster, we would have the facility, better facility to do that. So 
if you're interested in that, just let me know and I'll get you an email out on that. And then I want to thank you all for your support here at Crosswalk. Last week at the annual meeting, we talked about all the great things that's going on at Crosswalk and how because of the two PPP loans that um, one has already been forgiven, the next four in line to get forgiven, that is what has kept us afloat. And it, it's also meant that we were able to do some other stuff that we wouldn't have normally been able to do with that. So lots of great things going on. If you would like to support cross and Crosswalk in any way, there are three ways you can give. The fourth way is the bucket on the back table. You can just drop it in there and I'll take care of it and get it into the safe. So thank you all for being part of Crosswalk and supporting Crosswalk the best you can in any way that you can. We truly do appreciate it. And now today, I was gonna ask you, um, why are you here today? This is the last week we're having uh, Reverend Shannon Hinky, um, Waco Shannon Hinky, sorry about that, um, to give us a presentation. So I'm hoping that you're enjoying this as much as I am learning about these other re world religions. That's awesome. And the whole reason we're doing that is, is so that we won't be ignorant and that we will be more graceful and more informed and respectful of other religions when we see people out there in the world. And not be afraid when you see people out there because you want to put them in this little bubble that what you think that they are. So I really want to thank Reverend Wako Shannon Hinky, and will you please welcome her up here today. Good morning. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that you're enjoying this. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I think we are beginning uh, with the Lord's Prayer. So would you please rise and join me in praying as Jesus taught our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Um, <clears throat> I would like to begin uh, with a word of thanks to teachers and mentors. Um, this week, in the last five days, uh, have been the birthdays of a number of teachers and mentors who have been very important uh, in my life. Uh, my friend Randy uh, makes a practice when he thinks of a teacher who was important to him to say that person's name out loud. And so um, the birthdays in the last five days of these teachers of mine uh, include uh, Reverend Jeanette Stokes, the founder uh, and executive director of the Resource Center for Women and Ministry in the South, which does amazing work. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Anderson, a, a school counselor at UC Berkeley who helped me through a tough time. Cynthia Winton Henry, the founder, co-founder of uh, Interplay, which is a wonderful practice that I also do. My father, James Hickey, former planning director of Napa County. Linda Jew, an editor of mine when I was in college. Uh, the Reverend Diane Benage, a spiritual mentor of mine. Uh, veterans. I serve veterans as a hospice chaplain up at the veterans home and I have learned a great deal from them and I'm deeply grateful to them so I want to echo Dar's request that uh, on Monday you find a way to honor the people who have given their lives uh, in service to the country. And finally uh, my friend Sirtaj Singh uh, from whom I have learned a great deal about the tradition that we're about to learn about this morning. Um, so, I just want to invite you to take a minute, if there is a teacher who has been important to you in your life, just say their name out loud. Peter Shaw. <laughs> Peter Shaw, yep. Who else? Mr. Harrington. Thank you. Great. Very good. Don't forget to say their names and honor them. All right. Uh, this morning, we are learning about Siki, 
that is the, excuse me, uh, in the United States, we tend to say uh, seek because uh, the word sick is a homonym for oh, the English word meaning ill. So, uh, but the way that practitioners of Sikhi pronounce it is Sikhi, that's the name of the religion. And uh, it is not covered in this book, God is Not One, which is why I thought it would be important to talk about it when I had an opportunity. And the symbol that is up here on your right uh, is Ek Onkar. So Ek meaning one, Onkar, God, one God. And that is a, uh, a very common symbol of Sikhi. Uh, another, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see on the next slide, is <clears throat> this is the Khanda up here. And in the center is an upright two-edged sword, and then a circle, and then two crossed daggers. And the double-edged sword represents God's divine strength, truth, freedom, justice, and creative power. The circle reflects the love of God and the oneness of God and of humanity. And the two crossed daggers represent the balance between our spiritual obligations and our obligations to society. And for the little meditation part this morning, I'd like to um, invite you to listen to two brief mantras uh, that are quite lovely, different styles. So let's have the first one, please. one is a slightly different style, but it's one that you would be likely to hear uh, if you visited a house of worship with tabla and so forth.
Thank you. <clears throat> um, I want to uh, just recommend chanting as a practice. There's a kind of Christian service actually called Taze, which consists entirely of uh, chanting and silence interspersed with very brief uh, readings. So maybe I'll talk to Pete about that. Um, uh, Wahi Guru is a name for God, and the human gurus of the Sikh tradition uh, are the ones who teach about God's will. Let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> Some basic things about uh, Sikhi uh, are that it is, uh, and if you can't see this clearly, don't worry about it. Dar will send out the slides uh, afterwards so that you can see the text more clearly. Sikhi is the fifth largest religion in the world. Um, they don't proselytize. <clears throat> they uh, originated in the Punjab region of uh, what is now northern India and Pakistan. It was founded by Guru Nanak, uh, who lived in the latter 15th and early 16th century. And he was followed by a succession of 10 gurus, the last of whom was named Guru Gobind Singh. He lived at the end of the 17th, early 18th century. And uh, there's a strong emphasis in Sikhi on religious freedom and on protecting the vulnerable and the oppressed. Uh, Sikhi includes elements of both Hinduism and Islam, and you'll probably see that. Uh, if you've been watching this series, you may be able to make some of those connections. Um, and there has been a history of conflicts with and persecution by both Hindus and Muslims. Under the uh, Mughal Empire, Sikhs were persecuted, and there have been conflicts also between Hindu nationalists and, uh, and Sikhs, as well as, in particular, Sikh separatists. We'll say a little bit more about that later. Um, next slide. Guru Nanak. Uh, was born into a Hindu family, probably a family that worshipped Vishnu. And uh, he married and had two children. He was very uh, devout. And he was drawn to the bhakti, the devotional uh, tradition of Hinduism. Uh, he uh, was very much uh, involved in meditation and, uh, and chanting and saying the names of God. Uh, one day while he was bathing, he disappeared underwater and was gone for three days. And people thought that he had drowned. But he came back three days later, and he said that he had been in the presence of God, and he realized that God was neither Muslim nor Hindu. Uh, and he began a 20-year journey traveling all over uh, as far as Mecca and so forth, talking with Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims and Jains. And uh, he attracted a following and established a community. Next slide. So Sikhi is monotheistic. There is one God and also pantheistic, which means that God is present in everything, right? And uh, you could think of God as being distinct from reality, uh, but also imminent in it, also present everywhere in it, like an artist is present in the work that they create and, and in some ways knowable through the work that they create. Uh, like Hindus, Sikhs believe that the universe is orderly and uh, Akal Purakh, which is another name for God, can be known through God's creation and through meditation and prayer. Um, Sikhi shares a Hindu belief in time as cyclical that we are involved in a cyclical process of birth, death, rebirth called samsara, that that is driven by karma, by the consequences of our actions, the, the moral consequences of our actions and our intentions. Um, <clears throat> believe in reincarnation and in the possibility of liberation from samsara, which Hindus call moksha, Buddhists call nirvana, and Sikhs call mukti. Uh, it also draws, as I said, on the bhakti or devotional aspects of Hinduism. Uh, Sikhs reject the Hindu varna system of different social uh, classes and the caste system. Uh, and it has this in common with Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, and uh, the Jain tradition of India as well. 
Um, there is an emphasis on equality between the sexes, um, although sometimes in practice culturally, uh, the division of labor is men do the religious stuff and women do the cooking. But uh, there is nevertheless a, a value of gender equality. Let's go next to the next slide. Um, they also, Sikhs also celebrate uh, Vaisakhi, the, the Hindu New Year, and uh, Diwali, the Hindu Festival of Lights, which I talked about when I spoke about Hinduism here earlier. Core values of Sikhi include working in society. So it does not have a monastic tra tradition like Hinduism and Buddhism do, uh, and Jainism. Uh, it is more like uh, Judaism and Islam in this way. So we are expected to work in society, we're expected to uh, make a spiritual practice of charity. 10% uh, perhaps of one's income would go to charitable causes. And uh, a value of a strong emphasis on remembering God at all times as the only doer and giver of anything and everything. And what this is done through daily prayer and meditation. Next slide, please. So the 10th guru, Gobind Singh, decided not to um, invest the spiritual power in a human successor, but in the, into the scriptures of the community. So a text called the Adi Granth was compiled by the fifth guru. His name was Arjun Dev, and he was in the latter 16th, early 17th centuries. He compiled this uh, collection of hymns from various religious traditions multiple traditions are represented. Um, it's written in the Gurmukhi script, and uh, every copy of it has the same number of pages. They are paginated exactly the same way, 1,430 pages. And, uh, and this uh, text, now called the Guru Granth Sahib, is treated as the 11th guru. Um, it contains 76,000 hymns, and um, it is literally honored as a guru. So in the house of worship, there's a special room, which is the guru's bedroom, and the guru is put to bed at night uh, and woken up in the morning and brought out into the, during services, brought out and um, set out under a canopy. And as, the, per, as the, the leader of the chanting is chanting, someone is standing behind and waving a, a kind of a fan, just as one would do uh, to honor a human guru. And when people come into the gurdwara, they, uh, uh, they come up to the guru and make a prostration and maybe give an offering uh, there and, and then go be seated. Next slide. The first uh, part of the Guru Granth Sahib is called the Mul Mantra, and uh, it goes in English, there is one supreme being, the eternal reality, the creator, without fear and devoid of enmity, immortal, never incarnated, self-existent, known by grace through the Guru, the eternal one from the beginning through all time, present now, the everlasting reality. So I'm going to give you a couple of rounds of it. You can hear it. Thank you. 
Thank you. Next slide. From the Guru Granth Sahib uh, is a poem by the Sufi poet uh, Kabir that says, O human, where dost thou seek me? Lo, I am beside thee. I am neither in temple nor in mosque. I am neither in the Kaaba nor, the Kailash, nor in Kailash, the sacred places of Islam and uh, Hinduism. Neither am I in rites and ceremonies, nor in yoga and renunciation. If thou art a true seeker, thou shalt at once see me. Thou shalt meet me in a moment of time. Kabir says, O Sadhu, God is the breath of all breath. Next slide. Here's another one by a Sikh author. And it says, in order to love Jesus, must one become a Christian or just love? He said to me, it is not necessary to become a Christian. It is necessary to love him. To believe in Moses, does one have to observe any special discipline or just love? Uh, the divine command came, only love. Does one have to become a Muslim in order to please Muhammad or only love? He said, one must love. To believe in Buddha, must one become a monk or a Buddhist? He replied, no. To believe in Buddha is to love. Next slide. So a few uh, kind of key terms. Uh, first is panth, the Sikh community, like the Ummah for Muslims, or the Sangha for Buddhists, uh, or the church for, for Christians. Uh, a special subgroup of the Panth is the Khalsa. This is an order of people who are especially devout. They take on particular disciplines, which I'll tell you about. Um, they sometimes call themselves baptized uh, Sikhs, although it's a little different. The ceremony is different than Christian baptism. And again, I'll say more about that in a minute. Uh, the morning prayer is called Japji. Uh, it is about 20 pages of, of uh, prayers. Uh, that is to be said between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and it begins with the Mul Mantra, which is a summary of Sikh doctrine. That's what you just heard. The expression Sat Nam, which you've heard also, is God is truth. And the main practice is Kirtan, singing uh, or chanting scriptures. And Kirtan is also uh, a Hindu practice, and in, the Islamic version of it is called Zikr. Um, the morning prayer uh, involves thanking God for God's blessings, seeking help to follow God's will, uh, seeking help to remember God at all times, and prayers for the welfare of humanity. Uh, next slide. Sikh identity is ethnic, cultural, and or religious and people adhere to it in different degrees, just as they do in any religion, and uh, six acknowledge this openly. But the five core kind of practices are called the five Ks. The first is kesh, meaning uncut hair. The idea is God made us the way that we are, and uh, hair is a gift of God, and so it is not cut by devout six. Men tie their hair up in a turban, and uh, women uh, who are devout keep their heads covered, but they don't, necess they don't necessarily wear turbans, although they may. Um, kanga is a comb, a wooden comb used to keep the hair neat and clean. The kirpan is a dagger. Um, it is, uh, it is, can be between four and eight inches long. It should never be taken out of its uh, scabbard unless it is to be used uh, to defend the community or oneself or someone who is being oppressed. Uh, and so it symbolizes the readiness to fight for, for justice and for people who are oppressed. Uh, the kach are uh, cotton breeches. They're like kind of like uh, boxer shorts that are worn as an undergarment. And kara, a steel or iron uh, bangle on their wrist. So if you're in town and, and uh, going to any number of uh, uh, business establishments in town, if you see someone with a turban and a beard wearing an iron bracelet, good chance that person is sick. Next slide. So the Khalsa 
is an, is an order of people who choose voluntarily to take on a stricter discipline. The Khalsa was founded by the 10th guru, uh, Gobind Singh, in 1699, and the story goes that he was, went around asking who is willing to lay down their life for the Dharma or the truth. And he went around saying that who is willing, who is willing. Finally, someone stood up and volunteered and he was taken away into an enclosure and um, uh, with, a, with the, the guru carrying a sword and a goat was slaughtered behind the scenes, and the guru brought out the bloody sword and said, who's willing? And eventually, uh, five people volunteered, uh, five goats were slaughtered, and uh, because of their devotion and their commitment, you might be hearing echoes of the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac, or Abraham and Ishmael, if you're Muslim, um, he, he brought them out, the guru brought them out uh, well-dressed and uh, he blessed them and they were called the five beloved ones and he performed the first uh, kind of baptism ceremony and he had those people then baptize him. And so in the initiation ceremony, five people representing those five beloved ones participate in the ceremony. Uh, when one, has, uh, one does the initiation, uh, an, uh, a substance, a, a liquid called amrit or nectar is made by uh, sweetening water with uh, sugar and it's stirred with a sword and it is sprinkled on the head, the hands and the eyes. And when someone is initiated, they then agree to, uh, to uh, practice the five Ks and some additional disciplines, which I will say more about in a moment. Women uh, who are members of the Khalsa take the surname Kar, which means princess, and men take the surname Singh, which means lion. Next slide. So the, in addition to wearing the five Ks, the uh, Khalsa agree not to cut their hair, not to eat meat that has been slaughtered improperly, uh, not to engage in extramarital sex, not to use tobacco, and not, distinct, not to make any case distinctions between people. Next slide. Uh, boys, by the way, uh, they learn to tie the turban uh, for the first time around 10 or 11. And the, and the turban is really a sign of dignity and honor and responsibility. The place that Sikhs worship is called a Gurdwara. Um, there's a fairly large one in Panol. Um, and uh, the Gurdwara doesn't have any formal clergy. So anybody who can read Gurmukhi and knows how to do the chanting of the, the Guru Granth Sahib can do that. Um, it's open to everybody. Traditionally, uh, a Gurdwara has four entrances at the four cardinal directions to signal that it is open to everyone. When you visit, you keep your head covered um, and uh, you enter, you greet the Guru, uh, maybe make an offering and then sit down. Men and women sit on uh, separate sides of the room, but they're all there together on the floor. And uh, the service consists primarily of uh, singing. And it's followed by langar, which is a communal meal. This is a very important practice. Everyone is welcome to the meal. It is free to everybody. It is cooked by the community and offered. It's vegetarian. And uh, everybody sits together on the floor. If you can't sit on the floor, you can sit together at a table. But uh, the, the point of this is, is to show the erasure of any kind of distinctions on the basis of gender or status or social class. It's quite lovely to attend a, a longar and uh, moving, and I would encourage you to do so. Next slide. Here's a picture of the Golden Temple at Amritsar, which was built by the fifth guru, Arjun Dev, and it's surrounded by a kind of a moat where people uh, make ablutions uh, in the water just before prayer in the same way that Muslims do. Um, there's a kind of a, a walkway to it, but there are entrances on four sides. It's quite spectacular inside. Next slide. This is a person um, reading from the Guru Granth Sahib and leading kirtan in a gurdwara. Next slide. This is the community 
singing kirtan uh, on Baisakhi, which is the Hindu New Year, and it is also when the Khalsa was founded by the 10th Guru. Next slide. So in modern history, uh, a few little uh, details. In uh, 1948, uh, the British colonized the Punjab region uh, of India, and Sikh rule there ends. In 1919, a group of nationalists were murdered at Amritsar by the British. Uh, in 1947, India and Pakistan are partitioned, and about two-thirds of Sikhs are in the, what is now the Pakistani part of the Punjab, and they are forced to migrate. Two and a half million Sikhs are forced out of Pakistan and into India. Uh, in, uh, there arose a separatist movement uh, calling for an independent state called Khalistan. And in 1984, the Indian army went in and stormed the Golden Temple where they believed that the separatists were hiding in, a, in an event called Operation Blue Star. And they killed uh, many, many thousands of people. The British killed many thousands of Sikhs. And so in retaliation, uh, Indira Gandhi, the then Prime Minister of India's Sikh bodyguards, murdered her. Uh, after that, Hindus attacked Sikhs. So there's been this kind of ongoing uh, rounds of conflict. However, in 2004, Manmohan Singh was elected the Prime Minister of India. Uh, he was the first Sikh to occupy that role. So it's not a, it's not a totally awful history, although right now, um, uh, Narendra Modi, who is the current uh, Prime Minister of India, is really on the kind of Hindu nationalist side of the scale. So there has been more conflict. Next slide. This is a map of northern India, and you can see in blue the Punjab region, and you can see the line between it separating Pakistan and India, and um, uh, Pakistan on the west and India on the east, and where uh, six had to flee. Next slide. In the United States, again, I'm, I know that the contrast is not great here, so don't worry, you'll get the slide by email if you can't see it now. Um, in 1907, six began to migrate to the United States. There were farmers, many of them central, uh, settled in the Central Valley um, of California. Uh, in 1912, the first Gurdwara was built in Stockton. California. Uh, in 1924 uh, came a court case, a Supreme Court case decided, the U.S. versus Bhagat Singh Thind. The Supreme Court decided that Indian, uh, immigrants from India uh, were not considered free white people and th so therefore they could not become citizens. Uh, Bhagat Singh Thind had served honorably in the U.S. Army during World War I but uh, he was denied the right to uh, become a citizen or to own or lease land. That was part of a long series of, of uh, acts by the U.S. government to exclude Asian immigrants from the United States. Uh, and so a lot of Sikhs left until 1960, after 1965 when those immigration laws were changed and uh, immigration from Asia was permitted again. Um, in uh, 2001, we had 9-11, and in the first month after that, more than 300 violent attacks against Sikhs were recorded because people mistook their turbans as meaning that they were Muslim uh, and assaulted them. Uh, in 2010, 69% of turban-wearing Sikh students in the Bay Area reported being bullied or harassed, including being, um, you know, touched inappropriately or having their turbans taken off or having their hair involuntarily cut. Um, and 12% uh, of Sikhs in this survey reported uh, employment discrimination. Um, for example, not being hired because of wearing a turban or because of not being able to cut the beard. Uh, okay, next slide. In 2012, a gunman attacked the Sikh Gurdwara at Oak Creek, Wisconsin. You might remember this, uh, killing six people. 
uh, he thought that they were Muslims. And uh, so he went and attacked this community. In 2021, uh, this year, four six were among the eight murdered last month uh, at a FedEx warehouse in Indianapolis. A large sick community in Indianapolis, many of them worked at that facility and four of them were murdered. And last week, Taptajeep Singh, a 36-year-old uh, transit authority light rail operator, was among the nine people murdered in San Jose last week. Next slide. So this is Oak Creek. This is police responding to the violence at the temple, the Gurdwara in Wisconsin. Next slide. This is the community waiting for information. Next slide. Next slide. This is Tatajib Singh, who was murdered last week um, after directing other people to safety. Next slide. This is Balpreet Carr, and she is a female member of the Khalsa who does not cut her hair, her facial hair. And she was photographed standing in line at the airport, and a picture of her went out on social media mocking her for having facial hair. And there were a lot of really mean comments about it. So the, the picture on your left is the one that um, was sent out on social media, and then the next is a, is a portrait of her. And I'm going to read you her response, although you won't be able to read it uh, on here on the screen. Go ahead. Next slide. She wrote, hey, guys, this is Balpreet Carr, the girl from the picture. I'm not embarrassed or even humiliated by the attention, negative and positive, that this picture is getting because it's who I am. I'm a baptized sick woman with facial hair. Yes, I realize that my gender is often confused and I look different than most women. However, baptized six believe in the sacredness of this body. It's a gift from God that has been given to us by the divine being, which is genderless, actually. And we must keep it intact as a submission to the divine will. Just as a child doesn't reject the gift of his or her parents, six do not reject the body that has been given to us. By crying mine, mine, and changing this body tool, we are essentially living in ego and creating a separateness between ourselves and the divinity within us. By transcending societal views of beauty, I believe that I can focus more on my actions, my attitude, uh, my attitude and thoughts and actions have been have more value in them than my body because I recognize that this body is just going to become ash in the end. So why fuss about it? When I die, no one is going to remember what I looked like. Heck, my kids will forget my voice. And slowly, all physical memory will fade away. However, my impact and legacy will remain. And by not focusing on the physical beauty, I have time to cultivate those inner virtues and hopefully focus my life on creating change and progress for this world in any way I can. So to me, my face isn't important, but the smile and the happiness that lie behind the face are. And she invited people at her university, if they'd seen the post, to come up and say hi to her. Go Balprikar, yes, give her a round of applause. She is a heroine and a wonderful role model for all of us. Uh, next, imagine what Harnam Kar experiences uh, in terms of prejudice. She has a polycystic ovary syndrome, which causes uh, ex excess hair, what, what we call it, back, excess hair. Thank you. Um, she holds a Guinness record for the youngest woman to have a full beard. Um, but just imagine uh, having the turban and being uh, very gender non-conforming, what kind of things that uh, she has to deal with. So I, for one, uh, salute her courage. All right, next slide. If you want to greet your sick neighbors, there are two ways uh, to do so that are more or less easy. The first is Sat Shri Akal. Try that. Sat Shri Akal. Sat Shri Akal, God is truth. 
And the other, a little longer, took me a while to learn it, but is Waheguru ji ka kalsa, Waheguru ji ki fateh. The kalsa belongs to God and victory is given by God. Waheguru ji ka kalsa, Waheguru ji ki fateh. If you, uh, if you greet a Sikh person in that way, they will be delighted, I assure you, and surprised. So, um, next slide. So, this concludes our series on world religions. I want to thank you very much for your kind attention, for your kind feedback, for your warm welcome, and for your openness to learning about the people in your community. And I encourage you to uh, make friends and visit places that are other people's spiritual houses and, and get to know your neighbors. I think that my experience of inter interfaith dialogue is not that it um, makes me any less committed to the religion that I practice, but it helps me to understand others, and it also helps me to understand my own faith more deeply. So there's no danger, you know, in going out and meeting your neighbors. You'll learn about yourself, and you'll learn about them, and you'll learn about how we're different and what we have in common. So in my spiritual practice, the way that we uh, end is uh, when we do something uh, that is good and worthwhile spiritually, the good karma that that generates, we don't keep for ourselves. We give it away. And that's called dedicating the merit. So any good that has arisen from your presence here today, our gathering here today, the music you've heard, the announcements you've heard, any good that arises from your experience watching this online, I dedicate on our behalf to the welfare of all beings. Please take it into your heart and carry it out into the world and help to create the beloved community. Thank you again very much. It's been a pleasure to be with you.